Hello, Jenny. Hello. Hi, welcome to Centered Subject. Welcome. Well, this is an intellectual program. Yes. Where we discuss culture and... Technology. Yeah, and, you know, humanness. And today, we're sort of talking about lots of different things. It's summer, and that's kind of the general topic, the, the body and the summer. Um, it's finally got hot. Um, if you heard the last week's episode, June Gloom has lifted. Oh. And it's sunny, and... It's really bright. So they just call that, they just call it June? <laughs> no, it's June. Yeah, I think it's still shady in the morning, but then it gets really bright. Well, I've been trying to figure out what summer is, you know, because when you're not at school, you know, when you don't have so much structure and you sort of, when you're a freelancer and you set your own hours, you know, you just don't have such a definition, I think, of what seasons are sometimes, especially well, living in LA, it's all sort of generally bright yeah so I'm trying to figure out what that means I took some small steps on Sunday evening I attended a party which had a nice view of Echo Park hillside now get a bit drunk which was fun that's what people do in the summertime yeah there were a lot of shorts people were wearing shorts right they bring their legs out to get drunk upon yes yes go. the legs get drunk <laughs> I like to look at legs that look like they haven't been out for a while. Oh, that's, yeah. That's always fun. I don't know if I noticed that. I feel like, again, because of this particular predicament of sun being out a lot, I think, you know, legs did not impress me as being particularly white. So Right. I mean, you have, like, omnipresent legs. I don't even know what that's like. Shocking. Yeah. I think it would blow my mind. Just, like, and toes. Like, to always see everyone's toes. Yeah. Every single month of the year. Oh, my goodness. I'm not sure if that is good or bad. I really like the presentation of the toes mm. around this time. The toes here are playing peekaboo. Like, some people are still wearing boots, and then some people are just, like, full flip-flop, even though it's not very hot here yet because you know some people are bold and they make but they're stepping ahead of time which i think of the pun but <laughs> oh my their feet are like kind of unripe and they're just like stepping out in this kind of vulnerable state you know not really ready for the hot weather um but they're still nice i think our weather is is and situation is that like it's not yet summer because it's not yet horrible mm. because we have these really lovely two seasons in between well, like fall and spring when they act normally are not at all uninhabitable and they're just like so delicious because you know that a difficult season is behind you and ahead of you so there's like this wonderful slice of time where you feel very it's like not even just comfortable it it feels like the world is kind of propelling you forward and wants you to enjoy life, you know, almost in this like gather ye rosebuds while you may kind of thing. Like, here you are. We know what's coming. Take this. You'll need it later. Like, yeah, it's nice. I really like it. But we I, you guys have this problem, too, like when to bring the extra jacket Indeed, in the evening, there's a, it usually cools down, so you have to have an extra. That's yeah. why people have cars, because they, at all Dude. times, need to be ready with a lot of garment changes and costume changes. Yeah. So that's why we walk around. We walk around with cars, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. 
Uh, it's my cart of objects. Your closet on wheels. Yeah. Well, I mean, it does seem like an extension of the body as well, the car. Yeah. And it's an upsetting extension in the summer because it gets so hot. Mm-hmm. You sort of enter it and just this rush of hot air um, blows mm-hmm. in your face and it's so harsh. Um, but that reminds me actually of something that I read about today. So there are these fashion shows that are happening now, you know, at the end of the year. And um, and a couple of designers, mm-hmm. the Central St. Martin students um, showed their debut collections. And so for both menswear and ladies wear, there are these garments that are made of essentially inflatable plastic so they're kind of balloons so there's these balloon-like <laughs> costumes mm-hmm. um that really obscure the body you know well they're semi-translucent and inflated so there it's kind of like an extra skin it's like an inflated shape that really mm-hmm. well it's just it's weird in so many ways you know it's summer in a sense that you, I can imagine someone floating in the pool in that yeah. garment and feeling like very comfortable, I guess, and relaxed. Yeah, and then just getting out and walking around and <laughs> yeah. lying back down again. Right. But also it's just, you know, it's bizarre because it makes people look like aliens. So this the women's wear, um, it's a it's sort of a circular balloon that oh, yeah. that the woman is walking in. And I saw that, yeah. Yeah, and so those can deflate and then they become sort of normal dresses, but they're a little bit... Um, condom-like, you know, they yeah. drape like plastic, um, like a used condom. I don't know. I guess it's summary. They look like water weenies. Yeah, they do. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of wanted to hug them, you know, like rub up against them, kind of like the. <laughs> yeah, they look really fun to play with. They do. I mean, they are really playful, and you can just yeah. imagine. And on the catwalk, of course, everyone is walking very formally, and you know, at a I good know. distance from each other. But imagine them sort of colliding and like you know, rolling about. Yeah. And that would be really fun. I think it would. But I think that they it would be like one of those samurai costumes, unless they keep these like very important fashion eyebrows and like very serious faces. Like, yeah. like they collide about, but they're not allowed to show glee. You know, it's supposed right. to be just like very serious behavior. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I thought that that show did a really good job of, of being hilarious and like the way the, the models were walking made it actually much funnier. I thought that there was something about the way it was put together that yeah, just like the whole vibe was really cool. Oh yeah. And we should say who the designers are. Oh yeah. Um, so this is, um, so the kind of the circular balloon dresses, this is uh, Frederick Tjaronsen, Tjaronsen, um, balloon fashion. And the other costumes, the giant balloons, are made by San Kim. What's cool about them also is that they're so sculptural and they make the body, they sort of take it to a new level. I mean, I guess it's alien, but also kind of... Objecty, in object-y, a way. Like, yeah. I wouldn't say post-sexual because, I mean, yeah. it definitely seems like fetish wear as well. Fetish wear, but the form is really anti-fetishy. True. It's like so square or circular. They look like... They also look like packaging. Exactly. They're packaged and forbidden a little bit, right? You're sort of separated yeah. from other people, so you're in this ensconced, essentially, in, yeah. in this capsule. Um, it's true, singular package. I guess that's what, that's, I think, what I was, I was thinking also about the individualism that it implies. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, because everyone is, yeah, it's like a little Trader Joe yeah. man or woman. Yeah, also, though, they're empty. Mm. That's an interesting question. They're empty, but they're sort of full, and women's clothes, like, 
change form and have this relationship to air. Yeah. But it didn't seem like anybody was being like saucy about the emptiness. Like it was, yeah, it was playfully done. Sure. I guess dystopian as well. It sort of seems like it bodes what the future will look like. Um, when we each have to have our individual air package, maybe. That's what I wish the future would look like when I was a kid, but I don't know. I don't think we have enough resources or time or energy to enjoy our yeah. poofy dresses. Any, I don't know. I'm feeling dark. But um, I would like it if it was very recycled because I'm trying to be an anti-plastic person, even though it's it's difficult. So it'd be, it'd be fun if there was like a little bit of that to it, but, you know. Yeah. Well, it might be like one way of recycling, I guess, you know, if you're sort of making it, um, if it already exists. That's true. Oh, I had the greatest vision and I'm going to say it in public, which is probably stupid. Please inspire the people. No, it's not a vision. It's like a scheme. It's a, a scheme. scheme. A scheme. Okay. <laughs> okay. This is the pod advice moment. Somebody should do this. And if you do my scheme, you have to pay me. Yeah, this is the copywriting of my scheme. So I want everyone, and I'm sure someone's thought of this before, and if anybody out there knows of where this is actually happening, like I want to know about it. But so I went on this trip um, to my friend's house, and so we are my friend's parents' house, like in Connecticut. And so everyone was sitting around talking about recycling things. And I was like thinking about what if we each personally have our own recycling station because the city governments and the, you know, just the governments of the world in general are so bad at efficiently recycling for the environment. What if we privatize or like individualize? I know that's probably problematic and it's, I'm sorry, but. No, but I mean, everyone did used to dispose of their own waste, you know, before like waste management was centralized. I mean, that was right. the thing. I think in the 60s, until the 60s in LA, for instance, people would just deal with it. Yeah. Well, so we have our own recycling, like, smelter right. in our backyard. I was sitting next to a shed while I was saying this, so this is where I got the idea. It was, like, idyllic and beautiful also. I wasn't just, like, sitting next to a broke-down shed talking about my smelter. I thought you said shed, like, excrement. Shed, uh, shed. Oh, shed, no, shed, everyone, not no, shed. No, uh, it was a beautiful, it was a beautiful handmade shed, and I was having ideas about it. So <laughs> Nothing like a shed to inspire <laughs> me, design thinking. <laughs> I mean, come on. I'm so drawn to sheds. You this are. guy had built it himself, and I thought it was cool, and I was inspired by his like innovation. You know? mm, the shed building man. So, so inside <laughs> the shed, <laughs> you can have your own recycling smelter plant, and then you attach to it a 3D printer. Oh, yeah. And then you make your own plastic objects with your own recycled plastic right and they make it cheap but it's only made from recycled plastic that you already used i've had the similar idea but mine was more vain uh, mine would be like you know you could just print your own dresses every day because you'd have this infinite material but it would be the same it'd be cool if you could just put the plastic you know stuff and then mm-hmm. you'd like make a cool thing i heard on a youtube video that like you can't recycle colored plastic that you can only recycle white and clear plastic hmm. yeah so that's worth researching also i think it's probably true because they can't sell colored plastic on the recycling market which we know nothing about except that it's out there and so that means people freak out about it but anyway well i i purchased a bathing suit today oh um, and it's flesh toned oh i love that and it's made of recycling apparently it's sort of made of you know recycled bottles or something cool so. So I'm on board. Oh my gosh, so I did the thing that I always advocate against. I signaled with my purchase. Oh. You did. I've heard you directly say that. 
Well, okay. Well, I bought it because I think having a ba- bathing suit is a good thing. So. Yeah, I think it'll be... Um, I always find it freaky when people have beige bathing suits and I decided to join the, yeah. the strange group of you know you never know if it's like if it's a naked person coming getting out of the pool or this sort of I'm a big fan so I'm gonna go that fleshy way yeah I, I, I'm also gonna signal with my purchase and I yeah I purchased some <laughs> or like I didn't do it yet so maybe I won't ever do it you'll never know I'll never know um some beige shoes that are disturbing because they're beige-ish. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the, the theme of the summer. Beige. <laughs> Be beige. Oh, but that, that's so color-centric of a, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, really. So I have an article about someone who thinks of themselves as made of another material. Um, this is about the... Oh, yeah, the glass? Yeah, the 19th century princess who believes that she is made of glass. Here is a quote from her. She says, I am of a very delicate nature, she tells us, and it is all made far more complicated due to the fact that I have a grand piano inside me. A grand piano would be bad enough, but this one happens to be made of glass. Yeah. Princess Alexandra of Bavaria, and this is an article on bbc.com about a play that someone is writing about her or has written. Yeah. And apparently it was extremely common to have the glass delusion Mm. um, where you felt like you were made of glass or you swallowed other instruments. Internalized glass violins, harps, or oboes. That's so interesting. Suffers fear of being broken, but also, intriguingly, fear of direct sunlight. (laughs) <laughs> I feel like that connects I mean that's just interesting in and of itself and I think it, it's really um, kind of encapsulates a melancholy spirit I would say of like 19th century at least the way that we think of it now mm-hmm. you know the Byron-esque it's also the time where like people would drink vinegar right to become pale Yeah. but it also I feel like um, there are parallels to today's moment you know where people are very I mean in, at times rightfully so you know kind of very fearful of what they actually eat and so mm. you know there's this kind of prevalent of imaginary diseases or, you know, people kind of self-diagnose and think that they're... That's true. Well, I guess it happens with gluten because there's only like 2% of the world that's gluten intolerant or something. But, you know, I guess you see that in LA a lot, you know, where people are like... Well... There are places that just don't even have yes. gluten or milk, which is a really... Yeah. I love gluten and milk. I know and you half do. And half. I mean, let me, let me take a body break and talk about... Um, a body glass break and talk about like, you know, I have really grew up with really severe asthma. I was hospitalized a bunch and like, am totally formed by my experience. And I did that thing. Like I got off steroid drugs and then somebody came up to me and looked in my eyes that were all red right when I moved to New York and was just like, you need to stop eating gluten and your allergies will go away. And I was like, how do you even know I have allergies? She was like, I can tell by looking at your eyes. Cause they were all red and like weird. And I was like, okay, I'm going to try it. And she said, you have to do it for a month. And this was a long time before anybody did that. She was like, you have to do it for a month and you can't eat bread and just see what happens. And I was desperate. I mean, I like, I had like rashes and I was, I was kind of like made of glass, but like, I was like made of sandpaper and I was just like really used to it. And, um, so I did it and it was, it was real. So yeah, there's like celiac disease, which is a medical thing. But I do believe that certain people have a proclivity to be more allergic if they eat American bread products. I'll just say that, you know, it's hard whenever you 
go one way or the other way, it's pretty easy to lose the balance. So it's like, commit. I don't know, something about staying committed to, to balance. Because it, it's interesting. The body can be really affected by our actions, like, very quickly, you know? I mean, it's pretty resilient also, I'll say. I would say my, I mean, I'm surprised. I grew up thinking that mine wasn't. Mm -hmm. And now, like, the older I get, the more I'm really impressed by what my body can do and how it can heal. Yeah. Even though it's harder to heal, like, a little bit now than it used to be, it's still like, wow, like, I I was really sick and now I feel better, you know? It's like... Yeah, I agree. It is, it is surprising how resilient... I mean, I'm a hy very hypochondriacal person. At times, I think it flares up if I'm stressed, you know, I'm mm -hmm. just going through a difficult period, but... Yeah. Yeah, it's, I guess I'm resilient in the way that I'm always like, oh, I'm dying, or that I don't. So far, I haven't. Yeah. So. yeah. Oh, you know, I learned something cool about that that kind of forgives. I mean, it's not great to walk around with that kind of anxiety, but um, like the function of that, according to some of this ego psychology that I was studying, mm -hmm. is like when we're faced with extreme stress, mm -hmm. the instinct to repress, to like go back to a childhood state where we receive care from others because we need care. So, Oh, that makes sense. Uh -huh. So it's like really normal and okay to do that for a little while, you know, because we actually do need to slow down and receive care and heal. Yeah. Yeah. And so maybe we can be that to ourselves or we can be that for, you know, one another. And yeah, it's like forgiving, you know, it isn't like, oh, hypochondria, bleh, you know, it's, it's like the soul calling out for for care yeah and an answer I think to discomfort you know it's true I think yeah I think that makes it that actually made me feel better because I always feel so guilty and delusional for you know imagining <laughs> all, all the terrible things that I sometimes imagine I know um but yeah that just makes me you know that next time I'll just go and like you know make someone hug me or something yeah like just have sex with someone and, and feel there better. you go Great solution. Hypochondria, solution of hypochondria is just too much sex. No. <laughs> but not too much, just the right amount. Just the like. All right, balance. That's right. Strategic that's right amount, you know. I do actually think that that's a good solution. Like that has been. It's great. That has worked for me. Like I've shown up to uh, see a certain person that I've seen and like I'll be like so so sad and so sick and I'll just be like, oh my God, I can't. And then, you know, we'll hang out for eight hours and have really nice sex and then I'll be like wait I'm not sick anymore no. I, I thought I was really sick you know so true yeah I literally have been healed I have been healed it's very healing yes it is sexual healing there you go it's real I definitely <laughs> okay fine everything else is fake science but sexual healing is real oh uh, she got on board finally I got on board with one thing yeah I got it I'm on board with that and also I really I do like matcha matcha's great Japan is old. It's awesome. Matcha, like monks would drink it, you know, like Zen monks, because they mm. couldn't meditate. They would fall asleep meditating. And so they would have green tea breaks, you know, to keep themselves. I did not know that. Yeah. Well, I learned that in like Zen groups when I was in, in my early 20s. So who knows if it's true. But I, I was never a part of a Zen group. I was only a young pioneer. Oh. I just never want to be a part of a group. I Well, I quit the Zen group because they freaked me out because I was like 18 and then... There was an old man named Bernie who was in his 80s, not Bernie Sanders. And um, we went to the Silent Zen retreat for three days. And apparently we kept making mistakes because I was a young person and he was an old person. And when it was time for everybody in the circle, like at the end, to, to comment on what had happened or to say their wise words to one another, the two people in the uh, 
in the really fancy robes. <laughs> mm. We're like, we are really thankful to Jenny and Bernie for being here, <laughs> for showing us uh, all the rules of the organization by <laughs> breaking them. And oh and my, I know we were shunned. It was amazing. That's so thought, what a wonderful way. Everyone should write that down because that is such a brilliant way of making someone feel so bad. Right. And at the same time, you know, while, well, just purporting to thank them and you know and to value them that is amazing from inside they were married and they both had k names and i forget what their names were but they were both wearing like zen robes like really appropriately you know and me and bernie were just like hanging out you know just being too old and too young and then my teacher my teacher responded with like the you know necessary wise words after someone would say such a thing yeah. and she was and she said yes i'd like to thank them they were the yeast the yeast that made your attachments arise. Yeah. So meaning all your like specialness where you thought you were so cool, they were here to like remind you that you're an asshole. Basically. Also, just I just want to say, you know, yeast, you know, matcha and yeast, they they're kind of connected. But never mind. I mean, I don't need to uphold it. But what I really wanted to say that this is like another apparition of the glass body mm. where someone is so strangely crystallized in their mode of being mm. that they cannot right. just sort of be I think it would be better if they sort of criticized you you know if they just said oh you know <laughs> these two people like you guys were hilarious you know it's just something you were like mm -hmm. so hilarious or something you know it was just I think it's just this strange packaging of that statement that also feels like yes a kind of delusion almost it was there was self-deluding that they were kind and in fact were the opposite they were at the retreat to be appropriate yeah that was their, but metaphoric their meanness is almost worse you know i think would you not <laughs> rather someone just said it as it was instead of just creating you know a metaphor or like a metonym for you know for something you are but <laughs> no, I don't tend to come up with a metonym. I come back to the shed. You're about the shed of the party. <laughs> we looked at each other. We had like a knowing glance after that, after being called the yeast. And we were like, yeah, <laughs> that's right. We're the yeast. It was fine. It was good. He's probably dead now, actually. Oh, yeah, maybe. Maybe so. Uh, good old Bernie. Oh, maybe he's alive. That'd be amazing. What are your summer plans? Um, well, I've started compiling a reading list because I was thinking of, you know, what is makes what makes a childhood holiday? And I thought of, um, I don't know, do American children have that? But Soviet children would get, you know, preferred or suggested reading for the summer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm starting to create a suggested um, reading list for myself. So that's one thing that I'm doing. And um, nice. Oh, well, I ordered a new bathing suit. So I will embark on a, a kind of a, a new new swimming. A beige swim. A beige swim. So the beige swim is something new as well. That's good. What else? Oh, well, I have an exhibition. So that'll be, I'll have like a rigorous summer. Yes. But I think I'm just going to do more, um, just more random things. I'm going to go, well, and I'll go to the ocean. I I guess I'll do more outdoorsy things in the evenings and in early mornings. Mm. Um, and I'll read more poetry. The other day I was at Stories Coffee Shop and I grabbed this book of poetry and um, it was really fun. So I thought I'd, I'd read more poetry, I, which I haven't really in years. And poetry is good for summer. So doesn't poetry feel more, it's more summer-like than winter-like or fall-like? Well, I guess there's a kind of different 
different type. But it does somehow for me because summer is so languid, you know. Well, in LA, it's just hot and you can't do much. And there's something about the short verse that's really poignant. Mm-hmm. It's like either the the languid short verse in summer or or the like very hearty winter verse within the shed written uh, by candlelight in the shed because it's so cold you know like yes. your last words you know in verse like it's like one or the other yeah that's what poetry is to me do you think um it would be appropriate to read one of the poems from the book that i've randomly grabbed yes um would you like to pick um the page for the so that we have from one to 93 which one would you like to 17 okay let's find the 70 which is like a very teenage summer number and this is from a book of Cote de Leon, so The Heart of Lion by Ariana Rhinez. Oh, maybe another one, actually. I think I would prefer a shorter one on page 18. You can make additions. I don't mind. Okay, page 18. It was bright and hot. Discussing interpersonal relations make me tired and feel like an asshole. I really like you. Yeah, that's it. Mm. That's nice. <laughs> I know, I really... I really like that one. I think that's the one we should keep. I think the other one was a little bit too Italian. <laughs> Summer is Italian. What are you talking about? Summer is a bit Italian. Come yeah. on. Have you been to Italy? It's like summer summer like crazy over there. In fact, those are my summer plans. To be more like... Uh, God, not Sophia Loren. <laughs> <laughs> to be more like Sophia Loren? Well... It's it's a bit of a stretch. I I admit it's a bit of a stretch. I don't know, but um. Well, she's a bit bombastic. I just I don't think of you as as I think you're more delicate than that. I know. See, I don't want to be a glass woman. Ah. I want to be a like fiery Italian sweaty woman with like a scarf on, sweaty in a sexy way, not sweaty in a damp, gross way. You know, and like wearing little like sandals like on sun drenched steps you know but running down the steps to yell at my lover you know that sounds awesome no yeah that's that's romantic for sure come on that's ideal yeah i mean i I i'm not joking yeah i think it's romantic right (laughs) or or slamming you know slamming open open a window slamming shut a window that's the summer I want. Very cinematic, very cinematic. Oh my gosh, impossible to do in my apartment because, you know, it just had this, it was built in the 60s somewhere and had these sliding windows, you know, with um, with mesh outside. So all you would be doing is just sliding things. Sadly, it was a squeak <laughs> and like you couldn't reach an arm out or anything. The mesh would just, the mesh would catch you. You'd be like a fly trying to, yeah. trying to reach out. And fail. Mesh ruins all the dramatic exits that you want to have, man. Like, well, but not in outfits. You could have a, yeah. um, you know, you could have a nice mesh. That actually seems kind of. Oh, actually, maybe more mesh this summer <laughs> for me. Beige, beige and mesh. I actually, you know what? I said that the, right before I had the big conversation about the shed. I said I'd like to wear more mesh this summer. I said that. Oh, there you go. That's true. You know what I would not like to wear this summer? I would not want to wear a handmaiden's outfit. No. Um, but you know who did that? Did you? Okay. Yeah. Probably everyone obviously knows. But yeah, so Kylie Jenner had that party of uh, the handmaid. Oh God. It's not a not a good way to start the summer. It's just it's just so hilariously bad taste. Um, yes. And oh, but and I said this uh, to someone at a party the other night. But grandfather Shishuk was pontificating about something on on some recording I was listening to, and he mentioned how um, he was critical of of Handmaid's Tale because it 
create a, a sense of nostalgia for the present. Uh-huh. But it's really funny in this context, you know, with this party, because the nostalgia for the pre- like the present is having the handmaid's party in a way. Yeah. So I, I thought it was kind of a nice um, circular. Mm. Well, I mean, it proved his point. Yeah, it does. It. I mean, it's a fantasy about itself. But, you know, in a good way, I think uh, any activism with some, you know, pomp and performance in it is having a nostalgia about itself that's a concept like you have a concept and you could say it's nostalgia about the present i don't know i think that sounds like a nice shishik utterance you know what i mean it's like a cheeto that's a nice shishik cheeto but i don't know if i'm gonna walk around and you know eat a whole bag of that in the show at least you know there's sort of idea that you know things have gotten so bad and you know and like just remember these pleasant pleasant past but the past obviously like the past but yeah i suppose in comparison that's not so i mean <laughs> in comparison to their reality it is it is kind of good but just there's so many problems yeah it's, it's western specific i suppose well i think what's happened with her party is that the situation has gotten so much worse that it's far too late for that kind of thing and far too petty you know, it, I mean, I don't really think that Kylie Jenner's going to improve the state of the abortion situation in America with her fucking champagne outfit. You know, it's like. Was that the intention behind it? I thought it was just sort of a joke because they were having cocktails, you know, and there was sort of, it was a party. No, because Kardashian went and hung out with people who were incarcerated too. Like, so it was sort of, I think they're all getting kind of political and oh. uh-huh. they're, they're trying to try on their, so to speak, their little political outfits. And it's, but I read that they had cocktails that were like under your eye cocktail. And, yeah. They're assholes. And that like was how that's supposed to be activist somehow. Yes, that's right. Oh man. I don't know. That's what's so dystopian about them. Not torture porn as activists. Like, what's next? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm not really into that show and the whole thing, but I think it's a nice thing when it started to come out and a good metaphor to sort of shock people and motivate people to make sure they were like vigilant about abortion rights. And because, you know, abortion rights were being lost more quickly by women of color and poor women. Mm -hmm. Then, I mean, when the show started, so it was a little bit about, hey, let's not let this happen because they're being taken away from people, Mm -hmm. you know, who have far less privilege than most people are going to watch that show, maybe. I don't know. And now it's gotten a million times worse. So I don't know. It's difficult. Well, I think the show itself could kind of reach because, right? Only the first, um, only the first season was actually based on the book, and then it it kind of went off, spun off, oh, and really? its own kind of a group of writers writing off. And yeah. yeah, I think I tried watching it, and it just I think at this point it's just sort of a bunch of tragic stares and and you know dramatic <laughs> music and kind of right. strange shots of like women from odd angles, you know, in bright colors that are like sus- it's almost a suspended gestural motion, you know, to like uh-huh. it just uh, like leaves you utterly desensitized. Um, yeah, is what something like this death, you know, just normalizes um, whatever the terrible thing it's portraying. You just get used to it. Can't wait to watch Chernobyl. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're doing for next week. Um, yeah. Well, um, I read that reminds me of Art of Cruelty, which I keep trying to read by Ma- oh. by uh, Maggie Nelson, and she does talk about that. Um, hmm. There's a really interesting thing about how, and I think there's been you probably know uh, other people who've written on this, but just how one of the major problems with with changes and with fascism and with torture and with the the changes in political systems is that oftentimes 
yeah, they get normalized because there is also a culture of watching it happen, mm-hmm. develop alongside. Right. And that is what we're in. And that, I don't know, I found it really interesting and terrifying to read that too, because of course one would arise with the other because how do you live? How do you do your life normally? Right. And living is content production now in a way because you're documenting constantly. And so there's kind of, I feel like a blurring line between, you know, what you watch and what you do and what you then document yourself do. Yes. Yes. And then, you know, and I think that in a way like Kylie Jenner and them, that's what, and I, I, I guess how I feel, I feel like I've struggled also with this. It's like the only thing that we can do is do something that people are going to see or going to hear and say something like call out into the ether that something is wrong. Mm. But actually that I'm not sure. And this is an interesting discussion for later maybe, but it's like, maybe that is that kind of crying out and, or having a champagne party as a cry out, you know, is, is part of habituating to the horror of it. You know, it sucks. Uh, but I think it's an important thing that right there is an important thing to talk about. And I think we're going to look back at this time, like that party, you know, it's just going to be like that, I think a little bit. And I, I hope very much that we look back on it, you know, in a, a really great time and things are a lot better. I think that they will, improve because they oh yeah i thought that you would look back at it and see it as a really great time oh no and then i thought that you what you meant is things are actually going to get worse and i was like oh yes and i was going to you know being the like cynical pessimist that i am i'm like oh yes oh. <laughs> yes just wait to see what happens next <laughs> but, oh, Jesus. but that's maybe because i haven't <laughs> haven't eaten today i'm a little hungry so I'm just yeah your pessimism is horrifying when you don't eat. <laughs> it's probably, I need some gluten. <laughs> oh, God. Hey, man, if it works for you. Oh, but I have, I've just have like a story that combines both gluten and milk. I, I must, I must tell it. Okay. So Lenin was in prison. You know, he was in prison in Tsarist prisons. This was before the revolution. So, um, it was still like, um, kind of kindly times. And so that's why Lenin would get books, um, brought to him to read. Because, you know, he needed something to do while he was in jail. So he was reading the books. And then, well, he obviously needed to communicate secret messages to his followers. So what he did is that he created an inkwell from some bread. You know, he basically took some bread and he molded it into kind of like a little cup Mm. into which he poured some milk. And then he wrote, he dipped his pen, his quill into the milk and he wrote, you know, on on the like margins of his books, he wrote secret messages, and then people would get secret these these books, and then they would hold them over a candle, um, and the milk would burn a little bit, and you could see his writing. So, for all those that you know don't believe in milk and gluten, there's a, <laughs> a point in tale for you all. In that case, it was highly functional. So I completely no, I'm just kidding. I bet it smelled really good. I'm sure people like hearing it and they're like, oh, they were trying to poison him. That's why they were giving him bread and milk. Oh yes, that's right. That's why he died. <laughs> he was trying to annihilate him. Oh yeah, he, didn't he die like, on syphilis or something? But ah, <laughs> oh, good old syphilis. Not sure. Not sure. Oh. You know, sometimes I just sit and I pray to whatever God that I believe in. That you don't get syphilis? That No, that Trump has syphilis and that that's how it all... Oh, my god! Like, right before I die, you know, I find out that this all happened because of Trump's syphilis. Wait, and you know? what, penicillin doesn't work on him somehow? He's immune? <laughs> yeah, because he's just so gross. Oh, my God. He ate too much McDonald's because the beef had <laughs> antibiotics, and so he's developed a resistance. Yeah, good. Yeah. A resistance, uh-uh. <laughs> 
Yeah, a resistance within him. <gasps> a biological resistance is what is needed. You his know? cells rebelled against they his rebelled gross against self. his language and his, ah, his expression. Perfect. Yeah, this is a great vision. See, this is what I'm dreaming. I like I it. it from leader to leader on a bacterial <laughs> level. That's that's where I want to be. <laughs> I have two questions that I made up, and if we think of more questions, mm -hmm. and we have sort of discussed this, but um, so here's my question to you. What is surprising about having a body today or in general? To who? To you. What is surprising about having a body, about being in a body, or like any moments when your body surprised you? Oh. Like I mentioned how sometimes I'm like impressed that my body can heal. Like, right. like I have a scab or a scar or something and then I'll be like, oh, it's gone. Like, that's nice. Yeah, I, I guess I, I started lifting weights and I was surprised by how enjoyable that was. Yeah. Um, so that was, and sometimes I'm surprised that people have bodies because I only see them on the internet. Right. And so that's the other surprise. Yeah. Sometimes I'm surprised that I have a body because I'm almost on the internet. Me too, which sucks, but I agree. Yeah. Sometimes I'm aware of it like in odd ways, you know, when I don't eat or something, you know, and then I just become delusional. And yeah. From a philosophical standpoint, it's pretty weird that we often notice if we have bodies only if there's something amiss about them or something extra, mm. you know, like we become like turned on, which is like an extra thing, or we become very hungry, mm. you know, which is like a lack or we like stub our toe. And otherwise we're like a self, you know, we're like a person with this like invisible body. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting thing. I mean, yeah. somatic therapy is about developing an awareness of the body, you know, but, um, it's funny that the way it only exists in extremes. Well, I think people just need to dance more, you know, yeah. dance more and sing more. Yeah, singing. sing more. Some there's a singing really makes you feel. Yeah, that that really brings out a different way of being. I think, especially in public, you just don't do that very often. Right. I was. Um, one of my questions also was, what is one of the ways that you experience your body in a social context? And I think that that answers it. Like. Sometimes when you're moving around with a group of people, you like experience your body in this way where like you can't see where you end and the people begin, mm -hmm. which I've only experienced as a person who like has issues with crowds and stuff like I've only experienced that very, very rarely. It's like a good thing. But um, sometimes that happens and it's fucking gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. There's different um, like religious rituals that people do where you know, like praying on mass or um, like the Sufis do this, the zikr, which is like they like walk around to music in a circle over and over and over again. And then like 30, 40 people in a room will like just walk in a circle, but like they play music and people chant over and over again. Mm -hmm. I did that once. It was crazy. It was really popular in the 1930s, 20th century. Yeah. Z Zikrs were? No, like making formations and walking around in formations. Oh, Yeah. I think we should bring that back. Oh, I'm averse to it. You are? Yeah. I don't like the idea of per people parading together. Religious, you know, ideological, all the same to me. Well, okay. The reason, not in a like... I'll be on the sidelines throwing tomatoes. Shut up. Don't throw this. You're going to feel bad because I'm going to tell you what we're doing. I mean... Okay, tell me. It's a walking meditation, man. Like, we're not like waving flags talking about being great, you know? It's like... 
you know, there's in walking meditation, you take your foot and you put it really, you know, carefully and focusedly on the ground and then you lift it up. And sure. I mean, I've done it, but why do I have to do it with many people? Well, because there's something interesting and I didn't used to believe in it at all. And then I meditated with nice, you know, a nicer community of people than those jerks that one time. And I don't necessarily like personally to do it all the time, but sometimes when you meditate with a group of people, it just makes it more interesting and it makes it more, it feels like you can do it more because you feel supported by everyone else's effort also, even though it's an inter, you know, it's an internal thing. Mm -hmm. And then the walking part is just because you're tired because you've been sitting still for so long that your body's achy and feels bad. So then they really, you just get up and walk around in this like quote unquote structured way, Mm. but really it's just to stretch. And then you're like trying to keep this internal self, but there's something, yeah, there's something that's essentially supportive about the people that are also doing the meditation and like but in a walking way where you're moving together okay yeah yeah it's a little bit like a dance or theater performance too like it's harmless you know it's (laughs) okay (laughs) i think it's lovely don't worry no tomatoes now i'm scared afraid of dangers of group group walk group speak and group walk i know she's got her tomatoes all clutched over my head in like 1984 i know no 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 not happening refuse refuse we're just experiencing our feet on the ground very slowly come on fine fine okay fine yeah i do like i mean i do like going it's like having a nice party like a meditation party basically that's fine It is. Okay. It is. Okay. And sometimes someone cries. (laughs) (laughs) That happens to me (laughs) at parties. That's kind of an interesting part of a party. I mean, that means that something got really real. And I I always like the parts of the party sometimes where people get really extreme emotions of any sort. I think that's, I don't know. Not necessarily ideal, but sometimes it's nice. Yeah, that's why on our Instagram, which everyone should follow, centered subject podcast yeah. you'll find the crime room yeah so go there and see it and follow us yeah you should it's great follow us as we meditate through instagram <laughs> you can follow me it's fine but <laughs> follow jenny's leadership no, no 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 i'm not leading anyone we're just walking and or you can follow lenny to you can follow i'm just yeah i'm gonna like try to lead you away <laughs> from, the, from the meditation from menace to tomatoes to tomatoes no. to like nice Plum tomatoes. Yeah. It sounds like our ideal listener, though. Like, either you're like... I think so. Torn. Either day, you know, you're either throwing the tomato or you're doing the walking meditation. That's me, too. I mean... Yeah. Please, if you are the ideal listener, please let us know by messaging us, like, on Instagram or an email or whatever. And if your body is made of glass or plastic or matcha... Or yeast. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> My body is made of yeast and milk. <laughs> oh no, Fleischer. <laughs> you know, I I thought so. It's a Jewish thing. Yeah. All right. Well, actually, like, um, we've said all there is to be said. Yes. For now, at least. Definitively. But we'll be speaking to you again next week. We're excited about our next episode, which will talk about Chernobyl, which happened sort of close to where I grew up 
and we'll have a special guest that will join us as well. Um, so yeah, tune in again. Yes, and the American. Uh, let's not forget. I'm gonna. We're gonna have the Cold War. Um, yeah, yeah. We'll. we'll the American uh, nuclear fears and hysteria. Yeah, American nuclear hysteria, as told by people who experienced it as well. Yes. So tune in. Um, we'll be back next Thursday. Yes. Enjoy your bodies. Enjoy your body. <laughs> Bye. Bye.